BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, June 23rd, 2023. It's about 1.35 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. Jack Devine will be joining us right after this commercial announcement. Does he still think the spring offensive is going to work for Ukraine? We'll ask him right after this. When it comes to carrying valuables or even firearms in your vehicle, most people feel they have to choose between safety and convenience. A vehicle break-in occurs every 36 seconds in America. The Headrest Safe gives you the power to store cash, jewelry, medication, and yes, even your concealed carry firearm. You'll never have to worry about taking your valuables with you again. Keep them safe with the Headrest Safe. Use promo code Judge now and enjoy $50 off for a limited time at theheadrestsafe.com. Jack, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Uh, welcome back to the show, and thank you for uh, your time. In your view, how is the Ukrainian spring offensive progressing? I think it's uh, progressing exactly the way we talked about it, Judge. Uh, if you remember... I warned folks not to get their expectations too high, that I thought David and Goliath, that David was holding off Goliath, and that was a major accomplishment. We shouldn't raise the bar too high. Having said that, I did add that I do think they would make gains in the counteroffensive. I still believe that, but that it's not suddenly driving Russia into into the sea. It was never, and I know some of your folks keep track of what I said. I'm really proud of that because... They remind me how accurate I've been over and over again. (laughs) So some of our folks, particularly, and I know your background, of course, is obviously well known in the intelligence community, not in military. But the military folks tell us that Russia has three bands uh, of defenses and the distance between band one and band three is about uh, 30 uh, kilometers. The Ukrainians haven't reached band one yet. Is that your understanding that the it most they've like, gained? That the like most, the, let me finish. That the most they've gained is about six or seven kilometers. Well, you know, in World War One, gaining a hundred a hundred meters was considered a success. Uh, now I know these. Are well, the this same is one hundred and twenty years I'm later, in. Jack. I'm, I'm glad you're not referring to them by name because I think it's the same group that said that they were going to completely crush Ukraine in the offensive. So now that they're, they're, they're measuring out uh, meters in the gains. Uh, what's interesting is some of the troops that were the three, there's about 30,000 trained 
outside of the Ukraine by uh, us, the Brits, the Germans. They are just starting to get into the fray. I also think the dam, uh, one can argue, I do think it was the Russians, and from uh, their perspective, it did slow down. There's no question it had a, 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 a negative impact on, on it. But um, this is a tough slug. I mean, and again, I go back. I didn't promise anybody a rose garden on this thing. Let's talk about where the net result is come the end of the summer. But I'm not expecting, one of the things that's interesting, they hit yesterday, I think, a, a missile on the land bridge between Crimea and the Russian-occupied part of Ukraine. I think that's sort of their goal was to cut that off and make life difficult in the Crimea. So um, trench one and trench two, okay, good. Uh, come back, we'll refer to it later. All right. Let me uh, play for you the latest statement from the Department of Defense, uh, a new spokesperson, or at least the spokesperson uh, this week, uh, Dr. Singh. And, and, and it's about a minute and 10 seconds. Let me know what you think of her uh, analysis or her public statement to the press about how well the U.S. military expects Ukraine to do. I think our assessments have been pretty um, clear from the beginning. I think, you know, we we know as you continue to see the fight that it continued to move to the east, it's become more of a grinding battle um, every day. Um, you saw that in Bakhmut. Uh, the Ukrainians can speak to their operations and and um, and more to the day to day on what's happening on the ground. But we know this is going to be a hard fight. Uh, we know this is going to take time, and um, we are confident that the Ukrainians have what they need. Um, they have the combat power. Uh, they have the ability um, to be successful in their in their counteroffensive operations. We see them launching both defensive and offensive operations right now. Um, but I would let them speak to to more of that. According to President Zelensky, the Ukrainians don't have what they need, Jack. So my question to you is: Do you accept her assessment? And is the West, not necessarily Washington, but the rest of NATO, losing its interest, its appetite for this war? Yeah, so let me make a couple of points, Judge. Sure. I think your statements are pretty sound. I would just say the only difference is hers are 620, mine are 320 uh, in terms of saying that's what was going to, to happen. You never have enough. Zelensky uh, is... Both sides are right. We provided quite a bit, uh, but they're using quite a bit. And, you know, there's no, um, the military, excuse me, the Defense Department came up with another $6 billion, which is quite a bit of money in terms of new new support for, for Ukraine. Um, what's interesting today, I was reading an article from, from Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner Group. He castigates, again, the, the Russian military and says they are not doing well during this counteroffensive. So it's interesting that the, how the one of the principal fellow, the lead, the lead guy in, in making the one little village that they took for Ruth. So I'm, I'm not, I want to come back to my point. The fact that they're just keeping Mother Russia at bay, stand up and tip your hat. I mean, so I'm, I'm, cons I'm one consistent guy. All right. But so you're, you're happy with more or less a stalemate, Jack? Because Russia's not moving west and Ukraine's not appreciably moving east. No, I want the I want the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. Clear. 
Okay. I do not think that's in the cards. Okay. okay. I, excuse me, Judge. I do not think right now, and I've said this again and again and again, I do not see a deal, whether it's okay. the Pope or she or African delegations trying to find a peace agreement. The ingredients for peace are not there. I wish there were. I wish it were. We're going to have to get to that stalemate point. And now you've had the big offensive. Now you have the counteroffensive. Then you can begin to think about a possible stalemate. Should the um, Ukrainians, with the help of uh, American and NATO equipment, attack and expect to capture the Crimea? Well, let me give you my heart's heartfelt hope, and that is. So I want to really like nothing better. You know, like uh, nothing better. Special agent divine. I want a realistic expectation. I know you hope. We all hope we go to heaven. I want First a realistic expectation. I'm Irish. You got to give me a little room for my heart. Uh, so <laughs> I want to tell you that um, I, I really think that's a great objective. Okay, hard to do. I think they're really smart to try and put pressure on the Crimea. That is a really good place to focus. So uh, if they debilitate in any way, we're making progress. That you're going to drive the Russians out. Uh, it depends how long Putin can uh, withhold himself, how long he can keep driving forces in there to contain it. This thing with the Prigozhin is scary. I mean, he is really challenging the system. And here's the point that no one's commenting, and I'm going to, you're going to hear it here first. I think he's developing political clout inside his country. I think what he is saying is starting to resonate more than all the propaganda that Jack Devine could in his best day, generate. All right. I didn't know that Jack Devine was generating propaganda, but I'll let you look. Well, go back and read my two wonderful books. I mean, I, I hope right. I get some credit for what are, I did. Are your, are your, and I want to get back to Crimea in a minute because I got a great clip from General Hodges I want you to see. Are your uh, sources, whether public or otherwise, uh, enforcing the view you just articulated? that Prigozhin is building up political support in Russia. Honestly, honestly, Judge, I really started reflecting on this this morning. Uh, okay. This is the first day that I personally, no one else is telling me this. When I read it, there's trouble in River City on the political front. And I think, I mean, I mean, a very unusual man. I mean, I would be worried about my safety i'd be worried but i also think putin should be worried about this message which is louder than our messages it's a russian fighter really coming at them and saying they're not up they've, they've hoodwinked they've hoodwinked the russian people i mean that's what he said not no no yes. sugar coating on it yes maybe, yes what what he maybe, said is that putin lied, lied as the publicly stated basis for the war that's what he said how he can get away with saying that uh, in a society that does not respect the freedom of speech is beyond me. All right. No, it's, it is a conundrum. I give you that. But the conundrum or not, I'm willing to bet that that message resonating and undermining the, the political will inside of his own system. And I predicted this months ago that the real threat here is an internal threat within his own folks. Putin's own you, folks. You, you, uh, you did predict that, and you've been consistent. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll play General Hodges, retired four-star, 
uh, on the wisdom or lack of it in uh, attacking Crimea. More with Jack Devine right after this. You want to feel safe in your vehicle. And for you, that means easy, rapid access to your firearm. But safety also means your items don't fall into the wrong hands. You don't have to choose between safety and convenience. The Headrest Safe keeps your firearm where you can access it, and no one else can. Just order your Headrest Safe, install it yourself when it arrives, and enjoy peace of mind. It starts at theheadrestsafe.com. So, Jack, I want to talk about a few more topics with you, and I want to get to China because you've just written some interesting uh, comments about China, with which I don't think my audience necessarily uh, disagrees. But before we do that, Ben Hodges is a retired four-star. A year ago was the commander-in-chief uh, of all U.S. forces in Europe. Here he is uh, on uh, the wisdom of attacking Crimea. Ukraine needs long-range precision weapons, and and I'm very I'm very frustrated that the my our administration has so far refused to provide the ATACMs and uh, other long-range precision weapons, which would uh, help Ukraine hit Russian targets in Crimea. Because at the end of the day, Crimea is the decisive terrain. As long as Russia occupies Crimea, Ukraine will never be safe, and Ukraine will never be able to rebuild its economy. So Crimea is the decisive terrain. And if the U.S. would provide these long-range weapons to Ukraine, then the Russians would have to begin to leave Crimea. Should the U.S. lead or help an invasion of Crimea, Jack? First of all, let me say, I didn't disagree with Hodges. Uh, you know, and, and he's different than the Trench 1, Trench 2, Trench 3 crowd. But I'm saying that was a serious argument. The only point with, the, with Hodges is I agree with it. But you also have to talk about what are the likely consequences of it. In other words, I agree that the long, t- long term, uh, longer range weapons should be given and uh, would help the cause and should be used in the Crimea. But we need to think about consequences. It's not cost free, and we need to think about that. I would think the consequences would be potentially catastrophic. Uh, to the point of attacking the U.S. mainland if, if uh, U.S. Uh, weaponry is used to attack Crimea, no? No. No, look, <laughs> what is he? Honestly, we've been this. I started at the beginning being a little tempted about oh, giving the MiGs, and I changed my position. What is Putin going to do? I think if, if he loses, even looks like he's losing ground, not losing Crimea, his political risk inside his own system go up. But if you go back to my first op-ed of the week after the invasion, I said he's so deceived of his own demise. If Hodges is right and that, that could happen, the political risks are high. He becomes more dangerous at that point. Okay. But his, his allies inside realize he'll become more dangerous. There's a very, there's mental gymnastics and, and high-end calculus that needs to be developed here in understanding the pros and cons of this. But I'm with Hodges. All right. Before we go to China, sensible guy. Okay. Before we go to China, Jack, one um, one more lens through which to examine Ukraine. Here's uh, President Zelensky. I will have to read the uh, subtitles. Um, uh, here's President Zelensky uh, on a warning to the world, Jack. Now concerning the Zaporizhia. 
I remind those who have forgotten, this is the largest nuclear power plant, everyone in the world, the IAEA, all countries, all leaders know exactly what is happening there. Russia uses Zaporizhia nuclear power plant as an element in its aggression. It occupies the plant. It uses it to cover the shelling of neighboring cities. It keeps weapons and troops there. Now our intelligence has received information that Russia is considering a scenario of a terrorist attack at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, a terrorist attack with radiation leakage. They have prepared everything for this. Unfortunately, I have repeatedly had to remind that radiation has no state borders and who it will hit is determined only by the wind direction. We share all available information with our partners, everyone in the world, all the evidence, Europe, America, China, Brazil, India, the Arab world, Africa, all countries, absolutely everyone should know this. International organizations, absolutely everyone. There should never be any terrorist attacks on nuclear power plants anywhere. This time it should not be like the Kakova. The world has been warned, so the world can and must act glory to Ukraine. The Kakova reference, of course, is to the dam. Do you really think that the Russians would blow up a nuclear power plant that they now control? I think it's unlikely. Um, look, both sides, you, you want to make people really nervous about the word. You just mentioned the word nuclear, and I don't think it's in the cards. Cannot rule it out 100%, but and that they're planning to do this and have contingency plans. I don't know enough to know where the gap is between planning and execution. So maybe he's, maybe Zelensky has reporting supporting this, bringing attention to the fact that the nuclear plant exists and the risk of the radiation. But again, you have to be very careful in conventional wisdom. I'm telling that to myself. All right, I do not think the Russians would do that. That's And I'm not very friendly towards... Putin's actions. I, I don't know that. We know that. Do, do you think the Ukrainians would do it as a false flag in order to get NATO on the ground there? Uh, you know, the other thing, Judge, this, I've run, dealt with this all through my career in the CIA. You know, everything has a conspiracy in it. And uh, you see a situation, could this happen? And I'm just saying there's a gap often. I would say that the predominance of conspiracies as opposed to actually carrying them out are about 100 to 1. And that's okay. somebody that participated in conspiracies, okay? All right. We're not uh, easy. So last, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Okay. Last week, uh, Secretary of State uh, Blinken spent 36 hours in Beijing, uh, at the end of which he was uh, publicly reprimanded uh, by President Xi, but he was fairly confident that he made some progress. There are, as you know, and as you have written, uh, military, political, diplomatic, economic uh, fractures that the Biden administration wants to repair. No sooner had uh, Secretary Blinken arrived home, landed in California, when his boss, a few miles away, also in California, at a fundraiser, referred to President Xi as a dictator. So, so did Joe Biden set back whatever progress Tony Blinken made? And does Tony Blinken know what he's doing? And does Joe Biden know what he's doing, according to Jack Devine? Well, let me see a bigger issue. Where is China? Right? What, what's going on here? Um, so I, I think it was the trip. The trip was interesting in and of itself that they actually were able to execute a meeting. 
But there's a dilemma here. And uh, we did write to it uh, in our, news we, our newsletter this week, and you're reading it, and I think that's really good. But what I was very cautious about is you have a meeting and you talk about we're going to try and do things, but some of the ingredients, it's like the peace agreement in Ukraine. It's easier to say, let's make things better, because I think both sides are saying, how far are we going to go with this? But I believe that there's a core um, in both countries that is building towards, um, I don't want to say confrontation, but it's becoming more and more of a punch and counterpunch. Uh, I do think the music sheet was out of tune between what uh, Bilkin, Bilkin was saying and the president. Um, they weren't wrong. They were just out of tune. I mean, I think it, I'd like to find someone who would argue that she isn't a, a dictator. And I think it would be hard to find someone that isn't trying to somewhere of common ground, however narrow that may be. Uh, certainly wasn't helpful for the president to say it in public. I mean, the public policy, and he said other things too, which I'll ask you about now, the public policy of the United States is one China. Whether you agree with it or not, that's been the law uh, of the land. Suppose suppose the mainland uh, indicates its willingness and preparedness and intention uh, to use force to uh, subdue whatever it thinks is going on in Taiwan. Should U.S., uh, send troops and military aid to Taiwan? Well, let me do the second part. Definitely aid them as much as possible, okay? I don't, once you put American troops face-to-face -face with Chinese, then you, then we're off to the races in terms of, of a world con uh, confrontation, right? But I think the Chinese have to look at what's happening to Russia and what is going to happen they're much more plugged in economically and politically around the world today that if they did that, all that investment is gone. I also want to put down a marker, which I've done maybe every six months with you, and that is taking an island is no small uh, challenge. You've got to land troops on Taiwan, and it'll be a bloody mess. You have to be extremely careful that whatever you're doing, you do not hit an American vessel. Whereas if they, they take any action, then we are going to respond. It's a very dangerous situation. I'm betting that she isn't quite ready to do that. But I would would, would you make would you make would you make the war. opposite bet? Would you make the opposite bet that we are not quite ready to bring two hundred thousand troops and a couple of hundred uh, ships there? Yeah. I first of all, I would say we're ready that we would do it is something else. I think there's a high state of readiness and which will get more and more robust in the coming year. But I don't, I, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a end of life for human beings decision. If you decide we're going to go to war with China and okay. he has to make the same decision. And I think they're more, most other civilizations, the Chinese, they play a longer, a longer game. Do you have any uh, insight from uh, public or non-public sources that you can share with us about the attitude of the senior military staff in the Pentagon about China? Well, I would just say I, uh, that I've had low exposure in recent hours <laughs> And I would say the Pentagon is highly focused at the highest levels 
on the challenge that China represents and that its message is peace comes from over, overwhelming power. Okay, that's, that's, that would be my, my message to you that the US military is doing its job, which is if called, we've got to be ready with the best of breed and every possible weapon system, but it's the political side that has to make that judgment and readiness is one executing and deciding to execute as a political decision by an elected official. I'm not Jack, Devine, Jack Devine, always uh, a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. Uh, Colonel Doug McGregor at 2.30 Eastern, more as and when we get it. Thank you for watching. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom. You want to feel safe in your vehicle with access to your firearm that's both secure and convenient. The Headrest Safe keeps your firearm where you can access it and no one else can. It starts at theheadrestsafe.com.